Get ready for success. Leadership Strategies for Women is a show dedicated to providing practical and valuable strategies for emerging women leaders of today. It's your time to get inspired, motivated, and challenged to achieve your vision for success. And now, here's leadership speaker and coach, Ellie Nieves. This is the Leadership Strategies for Women podcast, and I'm your host, Ellie Nieves. I'm the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women, where I develop seminars and webinars to help high-achieving women show up, speak up, and step up in their careers. To learn more, please visit my website at leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com, or you can follow the Leadership Strategies for Women page on Facebook. Our guest is Donna Rubin. Donna is a consultant who trains professional women to become known for their expertise and influence in the marketplace of ideas. Her women's initiative, Visibility Lab, helps clients reach their target audiences and advance their goals with messaging, public speaking, and visibility strategies. Through speaking, training, and coaching, Donna helps women share their views at conferences and other professional events and in opinion forums such as op-eds, editorials, articles, and other platforms. She created Visibility Lab after a long career in journalism and professional communication. As an executive communicator, she has supported high-profile women in business, philanthropy, higher education, and the arts. Donna, welcome to the show. Hi, Ellie. Thank you for having me here. Well, we're excited to hear more about Visibility Lab and how you work with uh, professional high-profile women in business. Can you start off by telling us about your background? Sure. Uh, I'm from Texas, and I was raised in uh, a family with uh, loving parents who took their responsibilities seriously and gave me every advantage of life. And now at my at this point in my life, I look back and I'm so appreciative of that. I they valued education, and they gave me a good education. We, they were not wealthy, but they were. I would say we were comfortable enough that I never had to worry about resources. And and only later did I find out as an uh, as an adult about the sacrifices that my parents made so that I could have those opportunities. And that has given me a profound appreciation for the need to um, help others and uh, look at future generations um, in everything that we do. Hmm. And when and why did you launch the Visibility Lab? I was a journalist for uh, the first part of my career and um, loved that that um, enterprise, I would say. Journalism gave me a lot of skills that had been very valuable. Um, but by way of background, to help you understand, I um, I segued from journalism into leadership communications when I saw that the model for journalism was under a lot of pressure, and I was frankly concerned that I wasn't going to be able to um, support myself and keep going as a journalist for um, I would say for the long for the long term. So I started doing leadership communications, which is really everything that you do for to support a leader so that that per- person becomes n- known for their expertise, their ideas, and um, their capabilities and their vision. Um, so I started going to 
professional events, conferences, um, and um, various uh, gatherings. And I started to notice over the years this curious absence of women in visible uh, positions of not just leadership, but um, leadership, thought leadership, I would say, sharing their ideas and their expertise. And then I would look at the news programs on Sunday morning and I would see mostly men representing their points of view and their organization's points of view. And the same thing with op-ed pages and articles and on and on. So I started to think that there is a real need in the marketplace to focus on helping women particular getting their ideas and their expertise um, wider known and influential. And that was the beginning of Visibility Lab. Wow, you said something really great there that you were reading the tea leaves when it came to uh, a potential successful career in journalism and that's what helped you make the switch. I think that that's such an important skill to have to be able to look into the future and see what the trends are in your particular field. Right. And uh, I appreciate your pointing that out. And I think it's it's quite obvious now that the, the journalism model has collapsed and the the relative few who are still practicing journalism, they're, they're very lucky indeed, but um, they need to be thinking, each of them, what can they do to support themselves long term? Until someone comes up with another model for journalism at the yeah. moment, it's, it's really under a lot of pressure. But I will say that I'm extremely grateful for that early practice because it gave me a lot of um, skills and attitudes that have formed the foundation of my outlook. So that is the appreciation for research, for facts, data and science, and evidence-based reasoning, um, the importance of seeking out several sources of information before you make a conclusion that you believe something, and the value of being balanced uh, and appreciating other points of view. All those undergird, I would say, journalism, responsible journalism, and I'm very indebted that I had that indebted to the field of journalism and appreciative that I have that as my intellectual foundation. Yeah, what a wonderful skill set to take into any career. So congratulations on, on being able to do that. So what are three challenges that you faced as you were striving to attain your personal career goals? Well, I would say um, that I would amend your question. Um, you asked me that I fit what I faced and I would say facing currently <laughs> because we're all striving to achieve our goals in an ongoing way no matter what level you're at we're all um, still working towards that I would say number one is uh, time management and priorities um, many of your listeners are familiar with Stephen Covey's uh, very well-known time management matrix which plots out the relationship between urgent and important in our decision-making and I have to say I still struggle with that um, like a lot of people, I do the things um, most eagerly that I enjoy and that are easiest for me to do and I get a lot of pleasure in. And some of the things I don't enjoy as much, I push off. And that's that's always a struggle because it turns out some of the things you push off, push off are things that you need to do in the short term. So I have struggled with that and I still struggle with it. Um, number two, I would say um, speed or maybe... Um, alacrity to use a, like a highfalutin word, that is responsiveness. So I have come at this point in my life to value the ability to take my time and reflect on things. I know that 
the the more complex issues are, the harder they are to figure out and the more I need to educate myself. But in the world that we live in, um, social because of social media and the speed that technology has given us, there's a lot of pressure to be fast and to respond quickly. And if you want to be known for your ideas and you want to participate in the swim of, of things, you really do have to jump in fast, but it's it's a struggle. I don't always want to jump in fast. I want to often educate myself more. So I, that is a struggle ongoing. And the third, you asked for three things. I would say the third is to maintain my independence of thought. We are in an age when ideas are very um, polarized in the political realm and also in, in, uh, in every realm, I would say. It's very easy to fall lockstep into partisan thinking patterns. And I don't want to do that. I want to be in, I want to make sure that all of the positions that I take and the beliefs that I have and the values that I cherish are mine and are independent and not because um, my group or any affiliation might have champions them. Um, and so I struggle with those things all the time. That's time management, taking my time or being speedy and then being in, having independence of thought. Great. And what are some of the leadership strategies that have actually helped you get ahead in your career? That actually is um, is an easy question for me to answer because these are things that I champion and share with my clients um, all the time. The first I would say, uh, it sounds a bit like a cliche, but it sounds that way because it's very true, which is doing what I love. Or the uh, the alternative to that, the coral, correlation to that is loving what I do. And what I mean by that is um, really caring about the work because that's what keeps you up late at night. Um, past your bedtime to finish the details on something and make it perfect. That's what makes you get out of bed in the morning. That's what makes you skip your lunch because it takes a lot of sacrifice to be a leader, um, to be ahead of the game. It takes a lot of work and you're not going to do it if you don't love it. And by learning what you love, I guess the way I would explain that is the more you do something, the better you get at it. And the better you get at it, the more you derive pleasure out of it. So for example, if you don't like public speaking, let's say, because you think you're lousy at it or you have fear of speaking or even just anxiety around it, which many of us do, my solution is do more of it. The more you do of it, the better you get. The better you get, the more you like it. So then it becomes something that you love. Um, so the second thing I would say in terms of leadership strategy is thinking of myself as an expert. This is something a lot of people have trouble with, and particularly women. That is really owning our expertise and understanding that we have valuable information to share in what I call the marketplace of ideas. And the third thing I would say is living and acting today, but strategizing for the long term, for for the for the future, and keeping those those two are naturally going to be in tension, um, in a kind of um, dynamic tension for all of us, um, but living with that tension, but not letting the need to be um, immersed in your daily life prevent you from having long-term goal and strategy very active in your mind. And what advice would you give to emerging women leaders who want to increase their visibility in the workplace? Right. So you say emerging women leaders. And emerging, I think, means... Um, I take that to mean younger women, women who are starting out in their careers and women who are just um, thinking about reflecting on or, or planning for a role that they want to take 
eventually, which would entail more visibility. And the first is something that I referred to or alluded to uh, in your last question, and that's the mind shift that's necessary to appreciate that you are an expert. Um, and, you know, women particularly have a hard time with this for a number of different reasons, among them that we're just not socialized to think of ourselves as experts. Uh, we are, um, there's a lot of data around the fact that we think of ourselves and we're, we're educated and trained to be polite and to be participants and be supportive, um, even at the earliest ages, to make good grades and to please our elders. But we're really not trained to think of ourselves as experts who who put our ideas into the world and can face opposition and can face challenge for those ideas. And it's particularly hard for women because we get a lot, we can get a lot of pushback. There's still a lot of resistance to women being leaders and being experts. So it's not, it's not easy, but that mind shift is really um, critical. Saying to yourself and feeling it at the deepest level, yes, I can do this. I have a body of knowledge that other people can benefit from and I want them to benefit from it and I'm going to put it out in the world. So that's my biggest piece of advice is internalizing that and once you've internalized it, taking action on it. I mean, making the steps, taking the steps, undergoing the steps, training yourself to be able to do this. Um, and just one example, I live in, in New York and I just took a class with my 25-year-old niece in Manhattan I, I invited her to join me, and she she joined me, and we took a, pa a class in opinion writing. And now she has the skills she needs, and she wants to write her first op-ed. And I couldn't be more thrilled with her. So that was a that's a two-step process. One is internalizing the need um, and the intention to be an expert, and two is externally looking for opportunities and then taking those steps. So Donna, you're an expert in helping women to develop influence. What are the key elements of influence and how can women leaders leverage their influence so that they can get ahead in their careers? So that's a good question, but you ask about the key elements of influence. I would, um, I would interpret that or I would, I would tweak that to say the key elements of thought leadership. Thought leadership is a, a term that gets bandied around quite a bit, but um, it's really not mysterious. It's being a leader with your thoughts. That is leading with your ideas, your expertise, your vision, uh, your knowledge, and put it in wanting to put that in the world and, and, sh and share it. The, the elements that I um, believe are most important to being a thought leader, I would say there are four of them. Number one, we've talked about, and that is having a passion for your ideas. If you don't have that passion, you won't be authentic, and authenticity is critical to any leader. And if you are passionate about something, it comes through in your voice, in the way that you present yourself, and the way you talk about things. People can tell the difference. So passion is critical. Number two is that expertise, which we've also talked about. No matter whether um, you're an expert in the professional um, realm of business and finance or technology or if you're an expert in climatology or animal care, it doesn't matter, or the, or the natural world, whatever your expertise is, you need that expertise and you need to cultivate that expertise so that um, when people come to you, they can trust you and know that they're speaking to an authority. And that means, of course, 
staying on top of your field, reading about it, attending conferences, and uh, immersing yourself in that field so that you uh, indeed can own that the mantle of expertise. Um, the next element I would say is having a vision of the future. Knowing where your field is going. It's not just enough to know everything there is to know about, let's say, uh, banking law, but it's important to know where the banking laws are going in the future. Um, what can financial institutions expect to see down the road? Uh, because that's what clients are looking for. That's what the marketplace is looking for. Um, some people call that a moonshot vision. I don't know if it has to be moonshot in the Google sense of, of knowing the, what's going to transpire in the next century, but you need to have your eyes on the road to see um, where the world is moving. And the fourth piece, I would say, is the desire to share it with the world. So it's not just enough to feel, to feel passion. It's not just enough to claim that you're an expert and feel it. It's not just enough to be able to look down the road and see where we're going, but you have to have the desire and the intention to share that knowledge with the world. And if you have those four things, then I believe everything else follows from that. What are some of your current aspirations and personal goals? Well, my personal goals are very much intermingled with my professional goals. Um, I would say I am I'm working on something that I find to be very challenging, which is writing my first book. It's challenging for a number of reasons. One is because of the content. I have to be very clear on what it is that I want to say. And my, my current thinking is I want to write a book that makes the arguments that we've been talking about, all the the need, the rationale, and the strategies for the rationale for sharing your ideas and being a thought leader. But then in terms of the strategies, I want to have a workbook that accompanies it so that um, that my readers can take that away and be able to create their own game plan for becoming a thought leader. So it's trying to figure out the content and the strategy and then figuring out how do I want to make that happen? Do I want to partner? Do I want to self-publish or do I want to partner with a mainstream or educational publisher? And that all that is very challenging for me to figure out. And it's challenging for anybody to figure out. The publishing world is changing so much these days. Um, that's what I'm working on. Great. So how can our listeners find out more about the Visibility Lab? Oh, there's an, uh, a number of ways. You can go to my website, which is visibilitylab.com. And Visibility Lab has a Z in it, not an S. So it's B I Z I. B-I-L-I-T-Y, and the Z, I always say, makes it stand out. And since I'm focused on helping women stand out, that's the Z in my, my professional identity. Uh, you can go to my LinkedIn profile, my Twitter account. I'm very active on Twitter, and you can also reach out to me by email. My email is drubin at visibilitylab.com. Well, Donna, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for taking the time today to share about yourself, sharing about your goals, your aspirations, and also helping our listeners to learn how they can be thought leaders in their own careers. Thank you so much for your oh, time. It's been a pleasure, Ellie. Thank you so very much. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, God bless.